0: Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grinded Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Luke chapter 21, and as we started Luke 21 and breaking it down, we were... Reading about, talking about Jesus's disciples. They're now in the temple. Jesus is going there on a daily basis, and he's teaching the people, and everybody's in, you know, in awe, and, and they're just hanging on to every word that Jesus says. And you got the disciples who are just taking in everything that's going on around them. They're watching the religious leaders, and they're, you know, they're seeing them dressed in their fancy garments, and they're saying they're. Fancy prayers, and they're throwing in all this money into the offering plate, and and they're like, man, this is awesome to see. Look how much these people love God. And Jesus says, wait. You see that widow that just gave those two little coins? It didn't even make a sound. Uh, it didn't even know really that she gave any money if you hadn't seen her put it in because it didn't make a sound or it made a little bit of a sound. Jesus said that woman put in uh, everything that she had. She she put in a whole lot more then all these religious guys who put in from their surplus that it didn't give it didn't hurt them to give what they gave because they they have a ton of money in fact they got their money from robbing or cheating the widows out of their property and and that's how they've made their money and 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 here's a widow who throws those in two little coins that don't even add up to a penny and Jesus says that woman gave everything that she had and in her in other words you know the, the, i can see the heart. You can't see the heart. I can't see the heart. And I see the reason why all these religious leaders gave that money. And I see the reason why this widow gave those two coins. And even though it doesn't equal up to near what all that they gave, the religious leaders, this woman gave everything that she had. And God's going to bless her for it. And so we're going to end Luke 21 kind of with this same theme going on. Uh, The disciples, they're just taking it all in, you know, because they've come to Jerusalem with Jesus, and they know that 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 uh, that Jesus, if he's going to hang around Jerusalem, he's going to eventually be killed, because he's even told them, "I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die." And he they they even made the statement that we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to go die with Jesus, and so they're they're in Jerusalem. They've been in Jerusalem for a few days, and and they're just in awe of, of the temple. And, and, and all of these uh, religious things that are going on that they're seeing on this daily basis, and uh, they th- they as they watch these religious leaders throw in their money and they're taking this all in, they begin to notice the temple itself. And if, if you go back and you read about the the, the building of the temple in Exodus twenty five through chapters uh, chapters twenty five through thirty one. And if you go back and read uh, that, I'm sorry, that's the tabernacle in Exodus 25 through 31, which was a tent because they were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. So they had to have something that was mobile. But David wanted to build God a permanent place. Uh, once they had come into the, uh, the uh, to Canaan's land, to the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, uh, David wanted to build God a permanent place. And God said, well, you've shed blood. So you, you can't do it, but your son can, Solomon and you can read about the the building of the original temple in 1 Kings and in 1 Chronicles it, it, it's a majestic majestic place it's huge it's full of silver and gold it's this huge structure with all kinds of fancy stuff in it including carvings and and and, and what, uh, carvings that was all done by hand and uh from a website called the Jewish Virtual Library the bible's description of Solomon's temple which is also called the first temple, suggests that inside the ceiling was 180 feet uh, long, 90 feet wide, and 50 feet high. This thing was ginormous. And this is just the inside part. Uh, The highest point of the temple that that King Solomon built was actually 120 cubits tall, which is about 20 stories, or about 207 feet tall. This temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. You can read about that. And Second Chronicles 36, that's when uh, Israel had become so wicked and God sent all these prophets in to warn Israel. This is what is about to happen. I know you're the apple of my eye, but you, you're sinning and you continue to sin. And I'm sending all these prophets to warn you if you don't change your ways, this is going to happen. Destruction is coming and you're going to be carried away into exile. And my land's going to set desolate and empty for 70 years. Well, Israel didn't listen. Uh, the Jews didn't listen and, and and so God allows the Babylonians these pagans to come in and literally wipe Jerusalem off the face of the map and you can read about that in 2 Chronicles 36 but when the Babylonians come in they destroyed the temple they tore it down and, and, and that's what Ezra and Nehemiah is all about was when uh, uh, the Jews are allowed to return after 70 years to rebuild everything and so uh, a second temple is going to be built uh by herod and and from the same website i i i want to uh, I want you to listen to this description of the second temple and it, it it kind of gives you an idea of of what the disciples were looking at i mean it it, it this thing was just majestic to 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 see um In order to meet the enormous increase in capacity the temple required for these festivals and to comply with the limitations placed on its dimensions by Jewish law, Herod built a great plaza around the temple. This plaza is the temple mount of today where the Dome of the Rock and the El Aqsa Mosque stand. To construct this platform, Herod built a box around Mount Moriah and filled it in. The plaza covered this box and expanded the available land at the peak of the mountain. The plaza is approximately 480 by 300 meters, which is about the size of six football fields. The retaining walls of this box were themselves called, the retaining walls of this box, the retaining walls that just held up this plaza, right? Uh, The retaining walls themselves were calls for wonder. And the Coltel, or Western Wall, the holiest site in modern Judaism, uh, and you can Google that and see pictures of that in videos, uh, is one part of the Western retaining wall, but not actually a wall of the temple proper. The walls are five meters thick and made up of enormous stones weighing between two and a hundred tons. There is even one that weighs 400 tons, with an average stone being about 10 tons. There is no mortar between the stones, and they sit so close together that not even a piece of paper can fit between them. Such fine maneuvering of these stones is incomprehensible, given that even today's modern machinery cannot move such heavy stones. Also (laughs) worthy of comment was the overall appearance of the walls, which were about the height of a 20-story building. Normally, standing at the base of the 20-story building, an illusion is created in which the building appears to be falling down on top of the viewer. But standing at the base of the temple's retaining walls, this did not happen. It was prevented by the fact that the margins carved around the edge of the stones differed, being slightly wider on the bottom than on the top. In addition, each level was staggered with uh, successive courses of stones indented 3 centimeters relative to the course below. The precision with which stones weighing over a hundred tons were placed 2,000 years ago is astounding and mystifying. Furthermore, these stones were merely part of the retaining walls that supported the plaza on which the temple stood and thus only a prelude to even uh, to the even more incredible sight of the temple itself. Before work began on the temple, Herod spent eight years stockpiling materials for its construction, and then a workforce of over 10,000 men began its construction, including a contingent of 1,500 specifically trained priests who were the only ones permitted to work on the innermost and holiest parts of the temple. Building continued for a further 20 years, though the temple was in in a sufficiently ready state within three and a half years of its commitments to be dedicated. If one was a pilgrim coming to Jerusalem, now check this out, one would probably first go to the bank to change money as the coins of the, of the ram engraved with the head of Caesar were unacceptable for use in the temple. The central bank in Jerusalem and some of the law courts could be found on the temple mount platform in a building called the Royal Portico or Stoa. To reach this building from which there was no direct access to the rest of the plaza, one climbed the stairs to an overpass that crossed over the main road and the markets that ran by the western wall. This overpass was another unique uh, feat of engineering, being the width of a four-lane highway and possessing an arch made with stones having a combined weight of over a thousand tons. In order to build this overpass, the workers had to literally build a, a hill, construct the overpass on it, and then remove the hill, leaving the overpass standing. Josephus, the historian Josephus, describes the stoa that one reached via the overpass as follows. It was a structure more note- noteworthy than any uh, under the sun. The height of the portico was so great that if anyone looked down from its rooftop, he would become dizzy and his vision would be unable to reach the end of the measureless uh, uh, depth. This from a man who has seen Rome in all its glory. He also described the 162 columns that stood in the stoa as being so large that three men standing in a circle could just uh, hold hands around one of their bases, after changing money and before entering the temple the people were required to immerse themselves in a ritual bath despite the arid climate and meager natural water uh, water sources there there were many such uh, baths in the city filled with using a series of aqueducts and pipes that stretched over 50 miles after a ritual immer- after a ritual immersion the temple was then accessed via the southern or Hulda gates these gates led to the tunnels built under the plaza that then emerged onto the plaza itself. The walls of these tunnels were lined with candles and ceilings were carved, the walls of these tunnels were lined with candles and the ceilings were carved and painted with intricate geometric designs stimulating a Persian carpet. Despite the magnificence of all that has already been detailed, undoubtedly the centerpiece of this majestic complex was the temple itself. A building of shining white marble and gold and with bronze entrance doors it was said that you could not look at the temple in daylight as it would blind you the attention to detail in its construction is exemplified by the placing of gold spikes on the roof line of the building to prevent birds sitting on the temple and soiling it on their arrival pilgrims could hear the sounds of levites who sang and played musical instruments at their at the entrance the pilgrims would circle around the temple seven times and then watch the various rituals Sit under the column porticos that surrounded the plaza and listen or talk to the rabbi. So you can see all this stuff that's going on. It's just it's just a, a, a just a sight to behold. And it says the temple area was divided into various areas for study, sacrifices, levation, etc., and further divided according to a social hierarchy for Gentiles, women, Israelites, Levites, and priests. Finally, in the center of the temple was the holy of holies, the innermost chamber of the temple where the ark of the law was kept. Only the high priest was allowed to enter this inner sanctum and then only and then only once a year on the Day of Atonement. So, so strict was the law governing the entry to the Holy of Holies that the high priest had to wear a belt around his waist so that in case of unexpected death he could be pulled out without anyone else entering. In the construction of the temple nothing was overlooked. For example, in order to stop the inevitable crowding of the gates that would follow the conclusion of the service, the exiting stairs were designed to encourage people to spread out over a large area this attention to detail and the extraordinary feats of engineering were mirrored in the planning of the remainder of the city and its unique surrounds the roads were made of paving stones weighing up to 19 tons so stable that they were hardly moved even when the massive stones from the walls above fell on them during the temple's destruction beneath these pavements pavements was a complex sewerage and water system that enabled collection of the runoff water and conserved a resource whose scarcity and value was accentuated by its re- requirement for ritual bathing and the performing of sacrifices. This abbreviated description of the second temple can only convey an assemblance of the majestic sight that must have greeted the people of its time, though it is impossible to recapture their ex- experience in this entirety. The opportunity to visit the site in today's Jerusalem should not be missed. So that kind of gives you a a small picture of of, of what these disciples were looking at. These bricks or these blocks that the temple was made out of, just the foundation of the temple. Blocks weighing anywhere from 4 tons to a 100 tons to 400 tons. I mean, it just just massive, and and in the size, this, the courtyard is the size of six football fields, and and, and tw- the buildings are twenty feet twenty I'm sorry twenty stories high. I mean, Herod wasted no expense in building the sacred Temple. Man, this thing was ginormous. Is anything like? Uh, any building of its day. And there were some great structures. There were some other temples built to Greek gods that uh, uh, they worshipped and, and, and the fancy carvings and the columns that they had. But the temple in Jerusalem was to be uh, not undone. It was just so majestic. And it would have been a sight to see. And And, and you can understand why the religious leaders scoffing at Jesus when when Jesus says tear down this building and I'll rebuild it in three days because in John chapter 2 they're like what you you're nuts dude it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days but see they misunderstood what Jesus was saying when he said this temple he was talking about himself his body and it says after he was raised from the dead in verse John two twenty two, uh, his disciples remember that he had said this and they believe both the scriptures and what Jesus had said so uh, you got this humongous ginormous majestic building with all these gold and silver and and bronze and these gates these 12 gates that are surrounding uh the in the, the walls and 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 uh, you got porches and porticos and the stoa and uh, you know the size of six football fields so there's plenty of room and 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 all these carvings and, and so the the the, the disciples, you know, they're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're 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 just ordinary your ordinary everyday people who uh are not from Jerusalem. And they 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 might have seen this as they might have come to make sacrifices for Pentecost and given an offerings to God, but to to really be here and to be in it and among it and, and and to see all this stuff going on with these religious leaders. They're just in awe of what's going on. And now they're starting to admire the temple itself and all the beauty that's around them. Luke says this. He says, some of the disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple. And that's why I read that description from that website, because they're looking at the stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, the time's coming when all these things will be completely demolished not one stone will be left on top of another and you can you just imagine what the disciples are thinking and they said teacher how how how, when is this going to happen what sign will will show us when that these things are about to take place and and we just read the description of the second temple that these stones weigh just hundreds of tons and jesus says these stones you've been admiring these really religious leaders well let me tell you their hearts not right You're looking at a a facade. They're they're not right. You need to be looking at the widow woman who who gave everything that she had when she threw in those two coins. And he says, you're admiring this building, but let me tell you something about this building. Yeah, it's nice, and and it took a lot of time to build it, but it's going to fall. And it's going to fall hard. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. And you know, if you go over there today, that's what you're going to see. What you see that's left... Of the Western Wall, as we just read is part where you know you see the people praying and sticking notes into the Western Wall. That's a part of that base of those porches, the the portico, the stoa. Uh, it's the western side of it. It's not part of the temple itself at all. In fact, um, the temple has, has been buried. It's uh, I'm assuming that it's under uh, the Dome of the Rock. Um, but anyway, you get this picture of of how majestic this building was. And 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 the disciples are there with Jesus, and they're starting to see uh, all this neat stuff carved into these stones, and they're, they're seeing the beauty that's all around them, and the gold, and 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 the bronze, and the silver, and, and they're like, "Man, this is awesome!" And Jesus says, "Hey, this is this this is nothing. This, this is gonna fall, guys. This there's something coming far more greater than what you see going on in this building. There's something far more greater that's about to take place." Than this building itself. You think God resides here? Yeah, God resided in the tabernacle. God resided in the first temple, and they may be making sacrifices to God now. But pretty soon, you're going to be able to enter into the holy of holies, that place that you you're you're not allowed to go to. You're about to be able to to go into the holies of holies because I'm about to die on the cross. And my blood is going to be the once and for all sacrifice. is going to allow you to come directly to the throne of God. And, and and so they're like, this place is going to be destroyed. When? What's the sign? When is this going to take place? And so, uh, he uh, he he he, he They want to know when's this going? To, you know, let us know. We're anxious. And and what sign is going to uh, happen? and people have taken the answer that Jesus gives his disciples and try to apply it to the end of times but in this passage here Jesus is not talking about the end of times he is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple because the the temple he said this temple is going to be destroyed not one stone is going to be left up on top of another and this actually takes place in uh, 66 to 73 AD when the Romans absolutely destroy everything in Jerusalem because the Jews revolt against uh, the, the Romans trying to overthrow. They're just sick of it and they've had enough. So they try to overthrow the Roman government. And the Romans come in and literally destroy everything. And I want to read that to you. Uh, and, and I'm taking it from Wikipedia. And, and and in a minute I want to share another uh, site that goes into detail of some people who were there. And they describe the scene and how horrific it was. But in uh, this destruction of Jerusalem in AD 66 through 73, says the great revolt began in the year 66 AD during the twelfth year of the reign of Nero, or, and that dude was ruthless, originating in Roman and Jewish religious tensions. The crisis escalated due to anti taxation, imagine that, anti taxation protests and attacks upon Roman citizens by the Jews. The Roman governor, Gessius Florus, responded by plundering the Second Temple claiming the money was for the emperor, and the next day launching a raid on the city, arresting numerous senior Jewish figures. This prompted a wider, large-scale rebellion, and the Roman military garrison of Judea was quickly overrun by the rebels, while the pro-Roman king Herod Agrippa II, together with Roman officials, fled Jerusalem. They got out of there. As it became clear the rebellion was getting out of control, Cestius Gallus, the legate of Syria, brought in the Syrian army based on Uh, legion 12 fulminata and reinforced by auxiliary troops to restore order and quell the revolt Uh, this is taken from the uh, britannica.com it says by august 70 ce the romans had breached a final defenses and massacred much of the remaining population they also destroyed the second temple just like jesus said it would happen the western wall the only extant trace of the second temple remains a site of prayer and pilgrimage the loss of the temple for a second time is still mourned by Jews during the fast of Tisha B'Av. I probably said that wrong. Rome celebrated the fall of Jerusalem by erecting the triumphal ark of Titus. And now I want to share uh, some, some details of what was going on when the temple was destroyed. But before I get into that, I want to share what Jesus tells his disciples first. Here's what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, don't let anybody mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and saying, The time has come, but don't believe them. For when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. And then he added, Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues, and in many lands, and there will be terrifying things, and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution you will be dragged into the synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors before you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me, so don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, they're going to betray you. They will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But... Not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. He said, you say, Jesus said, you want to see a sign? Here's your sign. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out, and those in the country should not return to the city. For those will be the days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the Scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days! For there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. And there will be strange signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, you will see all these things taking place. You can know that the kingdom of God is near. I'll tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you uh, unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So, (laughs) like I said, people try to take these verses and apply them to when Jesus is coming back. Look, I've already talked about that Jesus coming back in, in the end times. Jesus made it plain. Nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. You can study all the Old Testament scriptures and you can talk about this king and that king and this uh, country and that country and who's invading what. People don't know what they're talking about, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to the end times. What we need to be focused on is being ready and living every day uh, like it's our last and living every day for Jesus and glorifying God because when that day comes... we're going to be taken care of no matter you know if 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 we have to go through tribulation if we don't have to go through tribulation whatever uh god's going to take care of his people and we win and we're going to be with with god for eternity in heaven And, and, and so if you want to talk about that in times that's 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 great you know waste your time by doing so but the bottom line is nobody knows what they're talking about nobody knows when jesus is coming back and what we need to be focused on is living for Jesus and being ready. And that, that, that's why that's, that's what he's telling his disciples. They want to know when is this going to happen. And he says, well, hey, first of all, persecution is going to come. Because they haven't even started the church yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't fallen in Acts chapter 2 yet. and And we see when the Holy Spirit does fall and the church begins, almost immediately persecution begins, just like Jesus said and men and women are being put in prison they're being killed uh husbands and wives are turning on each other mothers and daughters and fathers and sons are turning out, turning on each other all for the sake of the gospel all, all, and you would see this even today uh in in, in many countries uh, when people give their life to Jesus they're killed they, they 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 have betrayed their family they have betrayed their faith their religion and they're killed and 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 so nothing has really changed today um but jesus told his disciples he says whenever you see the enemy surround the city then you know uh that it's about to go down and you you better get out of dodge you better get out of jerusalem because it's going to happen now keeping in mind of what jesus just told his disciples about that horror the horror that's going to come to jerusalem this is what's it's really cool. We have some writings from someone who witnessed the destruction of the temple and how there were so many people killed that there was more blood than fire. And this is taken from the website called eyewitness to his, historycom and the reference they use is Josephus' account in, uh, uh, called Josephus, the Jewish War. Um, and here's what an eyewitness says about the destruction of the temple it says the Roman remember what Jesus said when you see the enemy surround Jerusalem know it's about to go down and listen to the very first thing this eyewitness account says the Roman legions surrounded the city and began to slowly squeeze the life out of the Jewish stronghold it happened exactly like Jesus said it was going to happen By the year 70, so if it started in 66, by the year 70, that would be four years, uh, the attackers had uh, breached Jerusalem's outer walls and began a systematic ransacking of the city. The assault culminated in the burning and the destruction of the temple that served as the center of Judaism. So there it is. The assault culminated in the burning and the destruction of the temple that served as the center of Judaism. In victory, the Romans slaughtered thousands of those spared from death. Thousands more were enslaved and sent to uh, toil in the mines of of Egypt. Others were dispersed to er, er, areas throughout the empire to be butchered for the amusement of the public. The temple's sacred relics were taken to Rome where they were displayed in celebration of the victory. The rebellion sputtered on for another three years and was finally extinguished in 73 AD when the fall of the various pockets of resistance, including the stronghold at Masada. And it says, The Jews let out a shout of dismay that matched the tragedy. Our, our only first-hand account of a Roman assault on the temple comes from the Jewish historian Joseph, Joseph Josephus Flavius. Josephus was a former leader in the Jewish revolt who had surrendered to the Romans I had one favor from Vespian, Vespasian. In gratitude, Josephus took on Vesp- Vespasian's family name, Flavius, as his own. And We join his account as the Romans fight their way into the inner sanctum of the sanctuary, or the the, uh, the sanctum of the temple. And here we go. First-hand witness account right here. The rebels shortly after attacked the Romans again, and a clash followed between the guards of the sanctuary and the troops who were putting out the fire, Inside the inner court, so there's a fire going on in the temple. The latter routed the Jews and followed in hot pursuit right up to the temple itself. Then one of the soldiers, without awaiting any orders and with no dread of so momentous a deed, but urged on by some supernatural force, snatched a blazing piece of wood and, climbing on another soldier's back, hurled the flaming brand through a low golden window that gave access on the north side to the rooms that surrounded the sanctuary. As the flames shot up, the Jews let out a shout of dismay that matched the tragedy. They flocked to the rescue and with no thought of sparing their lives or husbanding their strength for the sacred structure that they had constantly guarded with such devotion was vanishing before their very eyes, just like Jesus said it was going to. No exhortation or threat could now restrain the impet- impetuosity of the, re- of the legions, for passion was in supreme command. Cro- uh, crowded together around the entrances, many were trampled down by their companions, others, stumbling on the smoldering and smoke filled ruins of the porticos, died as miserably as the defeated. As they drew closer to the temple, they pretended not to even hear Caesar's orders but urged the men in front to throw in more firebrands. So they're they're catching these logs on fire and they're throwing it into the temple anywhere they could. And it was burning down. These rebels were powerless to help. Carnage and flight spread throughout. Most of the slain were peaceful citizens, weak and unarmed, and they were butchered where they were caught. The heap of corpses mounted higher and higher about the altar. A stream of blood flowed down the temple steps and the bodies of those slain at the top slipped to the bottom. When Caesar failed to restrain the fury of his frenzied soldiers, the fire and the fire could not be checked, he entered the building with his generals and looked at the holy place of the sanctuary and its furnishings, which exceeded by far the accounts of current and foreign lands and fully justified their splendid repute in our own. own. As the flames had not yet penetrated to the inner sanctum but were consuming the chambers that surrounded the sanctuary, Titus assumed correctly that there was still time to save the structure. He ran out, and by personal appeals, he endeavored to persuade his men to put out the fire, instructing Liberaleus, a centurion of his bodyguard of Lancers, to club any of them who disobeyed his orders. But their respect for Caesar and their fear of the centurion's staff, who was trying to check them, were overpowered by their rage, their detestation of the Jews, and an utterly uncontrolled lust for battle. these These soldiers were possessed, man. They were... They were destroying the temple, regardless of what anybody said, including Caesar. They were not going to stop. Most of them were spurred on, moreover, by the expectation of loot, convinced that the interior was full of money and dazzled by observing that everything around them was made of gold. But they were forestalled by one of those who had entered into the building and who, when Caesar dashed out to restrain the troops, pushed a firebrand, and the darkness into the hinges of the gate. Then, when the flames suddenly shot up from the interior, Caesar and his generals withdrew, and no one was left to prevent those outside from kindling the blaze. Thus, in defiance of Caesar's wishes, the temple was set on fire. And while the temple was ablaze, the attackers plundered it, and countless people who were caught by them were slaughtered. There was no pity for age, and no regard was accorded rank. "'Children and old men, laymen and priests alike, were butchered. "'Every class was pursued and crushed in the grip of war, "'whether they cried out for mercy or offered resistance. Through "'Through the roar of the flames streaming far and wide, "'the groans of the falling victims were heard, "'such as the height of the hill and the magnitude of the blazing pile "'that the entire city seemed to be ablaze, "'and the noise, nothing more deafening and frightening, could be imagined.' There were the war cries of the Roman legions as they swept onwards in mass, the yells of the rebels encircled by fire and sword, the panic of the people who, cut off above, fled into the arms of the enemy and their shrieks as they met their fate. The cries on the hill blended with those of the multitudes in the city below, and now many people who were exhausted and tongue tied as a result of hunger, when they beheld the temple fire, or the temple on fire, found strength once more to lament and wail. Perea and the surrounding hills uh, added their echoes to the deafening din, but more horrifying than the din were the sufferings. The Temple Mount, everywhere en- enveloped in flames, seemed to be boiling over from its base, yet the blood seemed more abundant than the flames, and the number of the slain greater than those of the slayers. The soldiers climbed over heaps of bodies as they chased the fugitives. That is an eyewitness account of what was going on in Jerusalem as the Roman soldiers had surrounded the city and they and it was over time they just choked the life out of Jerusalem until they 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 got uh beyond the walls and then they set the temple on fire and destroyed it just like Jesus said was going to happen, and not one stone was left upon top of the other. Jesus, he's standing there in the temple with his disciples and he knew what was coming. And I believe it's one of the reasons why he wept for Jerusalem as he was on his way into Jerusalem, as he's coming into town. He says in Luke 19, 41 through 44, uh, Luke writes, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, Jesus begins to weep and Jesus says, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late. And pieces hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you to the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. And that's exactly what we just read from an eyewitness account. It happened just like G- they spared nobody. Old, young, and children. They slaughtered the Jewish people. The Jews had their tabernacle. They had the first temple. They had the second temple to worship God and offer their sacrifices for hundreds and hundreds of years. And soon, Jesus says, it's going to be destroyed. Never to be used again. For you see, God does not belong in a building. He's no longer confined to the holiest of holies, the veil of the temple separating God and man was torn in half from top to bottom matthew twenty seven fifty when Jesus died on the cross, but he dwells in our hearts if we have given our lives to Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour, and if we have been washed in his blood in first corinthians six nineteen through twenty Paul says, "Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God?" You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So our body is the temple. God doesn't come down and visit a building in the form of a cloud anymore like he did the tabernacle, like he did the first temple when Solomon built it. But now he dwells in us if we've been washed in the blood of Jesus because we're washed. when we're washed in the blood of Jesus, we are made holy and we're filled with God's Holy Spirit and we know who the Holy Spirit is because Jesus told us in John 14 through 21 he says if you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the Father he will give you an advocate who will never leave you he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him but you know him because he lives with you uh, you, he lives with you now and will later be in you no I, I will not abandon you as orphans I will come to you Jesus says, I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. How? He tells them. Since I live in you, you also will live. When I am raised alive again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them. I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, in today's time it, it, we don't have to go to some dude and and confess our sins to this dude and, and he goes uh uh in this you know what they call the confessional box or whatever we don't have to confess our sins to some dude and 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 he's the uh the intercessor between us and god that's no more n- 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 that should never happen we don't have to make a sacrifice. Because Jesus has made that that once and for all sacrifice for us. He is the sacrifice. He is the Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And now, through what Jesus has done, we have direct access to the throne of God. Listen to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of them, all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to where? The throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We have access straight to the throne of God all because of what Jesus has done for us. That's why it's so important when somebody leads us in prayers, we pay attention because they're leading us to the throne of God. But here we have, a have read a, an eyewitness account that was there they literally saw the destruction and they heard the cries of the people and they saw the slaughter of the people and they were saying it's like these people were possessed nothing was going to stop them from destroying the temple and and why because jesus had told the disciples as he was coming into jerusalem he prays over jerusalem and he he says this is going to happen to you and then as the disciples are sitting there admiring the temple the stonework and the carvings and stuff jesus says hey this stuff, is it, it's going to be ruined. It's going to be destroyed. There's not going to be a stone left on top of the other. You're going to have to put your trust in me. Listen to me because listen to what I'm telling you so that you can be prepared, so that you can be ready. And it happened exactly like Jesus said it would. The Romans surrounded the city. They choked them out. They, they cut off the water supply. They cut off the food supply. People were starving to death. And, and so now that the people are weak, they just start squeezing. And they come in and they destroy the temple. They're killing men, women, and children, young and old. They did not care. Just like Jesus said it would happen. My question is you, to you is this. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you living your life on a daily basis in the coming of our lord jesus christ i know that i said that this does not have anything to do with that this was talking about the destruction of jerusalem but jesus said he is coming and we are to be ready and this happened just like jesus said it would happen and though we don't know when jesus is coming we don't know the hour we don't know the day but we do know that he's coming and we're to live and every each day in preparation and to be ready are you ready are you washed in the blood of Jesus Christ because that's the only hope that we have when we take our last breath upon this earth even if we die before Jesus comes back our only hope is the blood of Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ we have direct access to the throne of God that is amazing that we can go to such a powerful God who spoke the world into existence who spoke all of creation into existence who created everything with such power and grace and beauty and perfection. And yet he's so delicate and he cares about us, his people. That he would send his son to die on a cross for our sins when man fell, and he already had a plan in place that would take care of our sin situation and it would draw us back to him. It would reconcile us back to him. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? If I can help you do that. If I can uh, talk to you some more about what Jesus has done. And how much he loves you. And how he died on the cross for you. And how he was raised on the third day. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he ascended back to the Father. And he's sitting at his right hand. And he wants to be with you. Inside you. And filling you with his Holy Spirit. And he wants to have communion with you in intimacy and he wants to show you no love like you've ever known before if i can help you know jesus in a personal way as your lord and savior please contact me at the grounded podcast at gmail.com and we can chat if i can find somebody in your area if you're not local i would be glad to do so but please if you do not know jesus christ as your lord and savior i pray today as the day of your salvation if you do know jesus as your lord and savior i hope and pray that you are sharing jesus with people that you come in contact with each and every day when you are meeting their needs tell them why you're meeting their needs so that god can be glorified and that jesus would be real in their life god bless you thank you for listening today and keep grinding Thank you for listening to The Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.